0: Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? This is Trevor. You can find the show at Champagne Sharks on Instagram or Twitter. Or you can go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and become a member, which we like even more. So you get access to a bunch of back episodes. We started book nights and movie nights, and we record those. And that's also bonus content available to patrons. So we've had Spook who sat by the door. We had a viewing party for Lovecraft Country. And we're going to read, this will make a lot of people interested, we're going to read Settlers for uh, book night. So I'm sure that'll cause a lot of discussion. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely uh, sign up and we have let's start with Jack.
1: Oh, hi. I'm uh, I'm I'm Jack. Uh, I'm I'm from the Struggle Session podcast and, and and what's going on everybody? It's it's good to be back. It's good to I'm I'm glad to be here again.
2: And we have and we have Leslie Lee the third from Struggle Session. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much. Uh, I'm ha- very happy uh, to be back uh, so soon. We have Mac from Macabre Storytelling?
0: Yeah.
3: Um I'm a YouTuber. I kind of focus around sort of just storytelling, um how to, you know, make people better storytellers. I kind of got my start doing a Game of Thrones rewrite series after Uh, that last season happened, which was pretty traumatizing (laughs) for me. So we kind of needed that as sort of a catharsis.
0: Yeah, I feel like Game of Thrones, uh, the first of the whole show, but particularly the last couple of seasons, I think overlaps a lot with what we're talking about today, um, which is the Watchmen TV series, in that you have these kind of people who are kind of not really qualified or intellectually curious enough to be given the adaptations that they're given, but somehow... They get these things and they pull the wool over a lot of people's eyes for a pretty long time, you know, and... I feel like um, I feel like Game of Thrones is an example where they almost got away with it if we were, yeah. for, that pes- <laughs> if we're for that pesky eighth season it, was, it was a Scooby-Doo like the, the eighth season just got them those guys like they had so much to work
1: from like they, they were gone they were on easy mode for those first seasons because they had like 800 page books to work from and then it's soon- it's so funny like it's such it, it's so clear that as soon as it caught up to them they were like oh we're not good right? Like, <laughs> it, it's, that show is so funny for for the like night and day quality shift from when they had source material to when they didn't but well, even it's interesting.
3: So even on. so it's, it's amazing that because I kind of go to your point, they got as far as they did because they, yeah. they ran out of material around maybe like season five or six. And season seven, I mean, it was rough, but they kind of got through it. And That's true. Eight, I was just, harder oh on season God. seven
1: than a lot of people, but eight is like just a, atrocious. But I, I even in season seven was like, these guys don't know what the fuck is going on. Like I think even that early, even that early story when they like went back to Craster's Keep, I was like, I don't know about these these two. I don't know about off and Weiss. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I feel the the signs were always there, but they were working from the same uh, cheat code that Abrams and Lindelof worked from, which is the mystery boxes thing. Um, Mystery boxes can keep you going for a long time until it's time to start wrapping up and giving answers. And that's when um, everything really kind of gets given away. So I think um, no matter when they ended it, whatever season they ended, like, for example, season eight wasn't the last season. They could have just kept substituting new mysteries for the old ones that they were um, unsatisfactorily uh, wrapping up, or just keep answering questions with questions, you know? But I think Season 7 was as bad as Season 8. It was just hidden by the fact that there was no pressure to give a definitive answer to anything. Yeah. Game of Thrones is a really weird one, though, because like, a
1: lot of these mystery box shows just want to, like, stretch it out forever and, like, keep doing that thing. Game of Thrones is a really weird one where they, like, tried to wrap it up, like, extra fast. Like, these guys, like, I I, you know, I don't know. I I don't know what you think, Mac. I mean, you, you, it seems like you you <laughs> Paid like uh, focus on it more or something, but like you know, uh, it feels like these guys knew that they didn't have it. They were like, "We better get the fuck out of here." After like <laughs> no, one no. year <laughs> before people figure this out.
3: Yeah. Well, it was I, the 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 reason. I actually, if you I, during the rewrite series, I actually talk, and I don't do this that often, but I don't really talk a lot of crap towards creators like Lindelof. Like in the Watchmen um, video, I don't really attack him, but mm-hmm. I kind of did we with will, Lindelof and why <laughs> but. the 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 reason I kind of felt comfortable doing that was because it kind of felt, for season eight, it didn't feel like, oh, we really tried our hardest and failed. It was, we're bored with this. We don't care anymore. We want to be done with it. And Mm -hmm. just kind of leaving the entire fan base out in the cold, which is just so, I mean, like, and right before that, that was when they signed their deal, I think, with either Lucasfilm or Netflix. I think both, actually. yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We kind of got this sense that, like, we don't, this was a cash cow. We're in the door now. We're done with it. And it's kind of like to all the fans were like, well, what the hell, man?
0: Yeah, I don't think they were bored because I, I don't think they got bored because I don't think they were ever interested. I think all they were interested in was just um, building their name and their careers like i don't think they have any genuine interest in anything really they they seem like extremely incurious people i mean those after i binge watched game of thrones after it was all over i did not watch it um in the in the beginning um i binge watched it when it was over so i kind of got an accelerated like view of it but i watched all the after interviews also and it was just amazing to me how little they had to say about what just happened. Cause I think they were just adapting um, <laughs> George RR R. Martin. And now that they even really had much interest in well, um, the actual nuts and bolts of the story, except just getting it on the screen. But what was very interesting to me was uh, the main guy I think is Benioff. Is that who it is? The 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 one that talks more. He's very much like a himbo. He has just <laughs> yeah. total himbo interview skills. Benioff, like, I think his father worked for like George
1: W. Bush or something like that. I believe it's Benioff who's whose father yeah. was in like
0: you know uh, security
1: for George W. Bush.
0: Yeah, so, it was also like oh, the Golden oh. Sachs, or Stephen something. Yeah. Friedman. Yeah, 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 but absolute no type of uh, curiosity, and I think what I think happened was the longer they wrote, I think like what somebody said, they were gonna get more exposed. But I also think they don't even know how to tread water. Like forget just wrap things up. I don't think they even knew how to tread water. Like I'm convinced that blowing up one third of the cast in that one, what's that place called where they were all blown up by? Oh, the uh, South of Baylor. Yeah, yeah. In six, yeah. I'm convinced you just had no idea what to do with them. Uh, <laughs> you're, pro- you're not <laughs> wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, up until the very end, he was hinting that Marjorie had some kind of plan she was going to do or whatever. And then I think they just sat down and said, OK, what's the plan going to be? I don't know. Just blow them up. <laughs> this is too hard. Well,
1: and that's the problem is because with with something like Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire, like George R. R. Martin is like a very thoughtful plotter to the point that he will probably never finish the books because he's so thoughtful about it. Like he thinks so much about like, well, if this, then like, what would that mean? And then what would, how would that impact that? And how does this impact that? Like, it's like, it's, it's, he, he is such a, you know, uh, a thoughtful writer as, as opposed to these guys who I think got the outline from George R. R. Martin and literally just were like. Let's just do like the broad strokes he told us and like get out of this before anyone mm. notices.
0: Benioff said, This is a quote from Benioff uh, in an interview themes are for eight great book reports. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, re- I remember that one. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. So I,
1: I don't think that George R. R. Martin would agree with that, to be honest with you.
3: Like, there's, it's, it's well, it's mm-hmm. funny because there's actually a lot of, I did another analysis on The Last of Us Part Two, and I actually think this is the case with Watchmen. There is a point where reliance and like emphasis on, theme does kind of ruin, can ruin a story because everything kind of marches to that beat. But on the other flip side, it's like, well, no, all stories have themes, even if they're implicit in the text but when he said that I was like so what? what is this story even about like what are you trying to tell with this story
0: and and, and is he saying that he doesn't think that the original source material has themes or is he saying that he doesn't no, even he, care to figure out what they are like, No, like, what, he, he what just, just, he mean just you're mean, adapting
2: he, he, he just meant when people like question him about the themes of the show that he's doing that's his answer he's not he wasn't commenting on the original work he was just basically telling people stop asking me questions about this fucking yeah, show I, I don't know oh. the answer. <laughs> I just
1: turned in scripts. I got a job with HBO,
3: and they made me turn in scripts for seven years. What's uh, it? Is pretty much what happened. <laughs> to go back to um, to Jack's point about one of the mm-hmm. big things, and this is actually this is actually before they even ran out of material. Um, it was the end of season four and into season five, where they removed several elements. One of them was a particular character who hadn't been introduced yet, um, and these seemed and this kind of goes towards their flippancy with the source material, these things on paper seem like they were very innocuous and like, oh, we can get rid of them. But they actually, and to Jack's point about like how like, insane George R. R. Martin is about details, these things are actually going to play much larger roles later down the road. And so the problem that Benioff and Weiss had was they took these elements out, and then three seasons later, they realized, Mm -hmm. oh, crap, we needed those guys. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, like, they removed some pretty serious shit, actually. And And then, like, (laughs) like... You know, and it's and it's the kind of stuff when you're doing the first three seasons and they're like, we're trying to keep it more grounded. It's like, well, then when you get to the big high fantasy ending and you don't and all you have is like two dragons, you know what I mean? (laughs) But
0: but one thing that I think is very interesting about talking about Game of Thrones is that I think Lindelof is a guy who's cut from a very similar cloth from those guys. But he's managed to learn his limitations and know how to game the system and that's one reason why I think he doesn't want to do season two. I don't think he has any type of high principles against it. I don't think he literally knows what to do. I, I think he, he's bending off in wise if they were smart and just stopped like two or three seasons in. And you know Then
2: everyone would have said Oh Game of Thrones Was a great show until, Yeah exactly it, Until Benioff and Weiss left <laughs> Yeah exactly Benioff and Weiss If Benioff and Weiss stayed
1: They, they would have, have been pregnant. So smart to leave That's true You're right They should have left As soon as they ran out Of source material Yeah, <laughs> they yeah have, and, they, and, they have and they'd have. still blame. have Their Star Wars at this point They would still have Their Star Wars at this point
0: And the poor sap Who got saddled With cleaning up their mess Would have uh, gotten all, all the blame And I think that's what Lindelof Um is he learns from loss. He's like, look, I'm not good if you let me go in too long. You know, he only spin plates for so long before people get tired of you. So I want to get in, spin the plates, and before people get bored... I was going to walk out the door and collect my flowers. What's well, what's so funny about that too is like actually the one
3: show of Linda Lost that I actually love is The Leftovers. It got I think it got canceled after the 3rd season, which was a godsend because mm-hmm. I was so afraid that if he got another two, one or two or 3 seasons, <laughs> he would destroy the lore and the point of the cuz The Leftovers is all about, you know, their and their questions will never get answers to, and I was afraid that he would eventually give those answers and they would suck and it would just ruin the show. But luckily, it kind of got... Cut off at the knees, which was the best thing for it.
1: Yeah, he kind of had to rush it all into like a, a monologue at the end, and it and it still kind of has ambiguity, yeah. and that makes it work so much better than Lost, trying to like create lore about like two men that lived on an island forever and oh shit. Like, the
0: funniest thing about the funniest thing about it. Lost is it had so many seasons, and then when it came time to wrap it up, they just basically started over, and you really didn't need the first. Yeah, six I know. Really, I'm I mean, like, so
1: what the fuck did I watch all? This the stupid shit for like yeah really? yeah that
0: that story of the two men and their war <laughs> w- w- was basically a whole different series that was yeah. nice in if you watch that in a vacuum and just ignore the rest of the stuff let me see a story about these two men and an island <laughs> it's actually not a bad story but when we start remembering okay what was the point of Walt what was the point of Uh, any of that shit the numbers any of it you know yeah (laughs) forgot about him
3: yeah yeah. people like watch that episode and were like is this so is this why the polar bears were there or like (laughs) what the hell like I don't even think they knew what what they were doing from not even season to season, but episode to episode sometimes.
0: I mean, one, one thing I'll say to give some um, context to why I want to do this show now was uh, Leslie uh, kept telling me to try the show. And I was at the start of a new philosophy. Uh, I was saying this before we started recording where I was like, every hacky thing that comes out, I don't have to hate watch it for content. You know, uh, (laughs) if we all ignore this stuff, it's going to go away. And I'm just not going to give this any life, give this any attention, and I'm just going to let it go away. I was treating it, um, Jack gave the example of Tiger King, and I was kind of treating it as something like that. Like, I, like everyone's going to buzz over this, and then it'll be hacky, and then everyone's going to forget about it. Because look at uh, Game of Thrones. People act like it didn't exist. <laughs> People act like, yeah. you know, it's it didn't a, even. It's a collective trauma we want to forget
3: about as a society. We just don't yeah. want to talk about it again. <laughs>
0: Exactly. So then when I heard different elements about it, right, from uh, reading like Jack and Leslie's tweets and stuff and talking about the Hooded Justice retcon and different things, I was like, oh, I'm making such a good choice not watching this thing. <laughs> and then the Emmys came out and it got, what was it, 11? <laughs> Yeah, tons, yeah, tons of Emmy. So, so many, it, yeah. It got eleven nominations, and it won a decent amount of them, right? Th-
3: yeah, I think it was it was Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Writing, Directing, and Series. I think. Yeah, um,
2: I think it- the worst one was. We'll get into it, but the worst one was Best Supporting Actor to uh, I think is Yah uh, Ya, I think is is his name um, who played um, Doctor Manhattan, and he's actually a good actor, but he's absolutely awful in this show absolutely mm-hmm. atrocious he should not have that i mean he should have gotten an award for aquaman not this he is terrible <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, he only was, got i
3: think like two episodes yeah. in the entire series yeah, yeah he's yeah, barely
2: he in it and he's not good and, and, and all the
0: forced misdirection is like horrible because like, the only reason he's not in it is to make the curveball uh in, in lindelof's eyes that much harder and it's so basically, by the time they reveal who he is, you have absolutely no investment in him to even really care. He he only exists as a red herring, that that character, you know. So I feel like Alan Moore would have done a lot more with that character, such that, for example, with the uh, Rorschach in uh, Alan Moore's original Watchmen, when you see the um, sandwich board holder, the 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 Doomsday guy, he has a lot of interesting interactions and placements. In the story, yeah. such, such that when you find out he's Rorschach, when you reread it, it adds a lot more um, mm-hmm. resonance or um, nothing is like accidental. But mm-hmm. with Yaya's character, he just shows up every now and then to remind you that she's I'm, married to somebody.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm and the dis- dad. I'm the good husband. Yeah, yeah. And then
0: disappears. And, you know, so I guess when he gets revealed as Dr. Manhattan, it's not totally left field, but Everything, well, every question the, this thing answers is just a stupid mystery box <laughs> that it introduced itself. Yeah, you know, as opposed to <laughs> Who, where is any- Doctor,
2: where is Doctor Manhattan, there where is, is. Mandius? <laughs> there he is. Uh, will yeah. there shilling, be shilling consequences the the yeah. <laughs> from from the uh, from the you know the, the giant squid attack? Like all this mystery box shit that he made up questions he wanted to ask about yeah. wa- somebody, uh, Watchmen, but only like his very superficial understanding of the word as just like any other comic book like he views watchmen i feel very similarly to how he would view like the justice league or x-men comics he read at the same time like there was no real mature and reading on his part uh, of the work he just sees them as like you know action Mm. And,
0: and i would add too that um not only does he mostly answer questions that he introduced himself not even questions from the original Watchmen, just just in-story questions that you know about um hey um what does this mean uh what does this mean where did this guy go you know whatever (laughs) Whenever he does venture whenever he does venture off questions that he introduced the only questions that he asked and answers are the most banal centrist <laughs> liberal questions like is racism bad guess what yep yes. it is i'm well, sorry to, uh, to is go back to your, sorry, to of, back
3: to your yeah. hmm? oh sorry uh, to go back to your point about you know the and that's you you hit the nail on the head with the whole mystery box the flaw in it is the fact that once you find out the twist of, like, say, um, like who Doctor Manhattan is, it's with like certain films like Fight Club or Six Sense. These movies that are known for these twists, when you rewatch them, it's very rewarding because you see all the stuff you didn't see before. Whereas with, like, say, the Doctor Manhattan twist in Watchmen. Rewatching it doesn't—it doesn't give you anything. It, it was just all a trick the entire time.
0: There's I'll nothing to find. I'll also thing about the twist in in uh, Sixth Sense and and those other things like in Fight Club. When the twist happens, the twist does more than just rearrange the pieces of the puzzle. The twist adds a whole different uh, statement about alienation from self and how consumerism and uh, self-hatred can cause that type of um, alienation. And What happens when you try to suppress um, your your young in shadow so to speak you know and, and it or, also
2: tells you about the character too like the yes. it tells you so much about the character it tells you more about Marla it tells you more about every interaction that he's had it reveals all these moments and who these people are the Dr. Manhattan thing revealed doesn't do really any of that because like they're like he basically gets lobotomized he's lobotomized the entire time he's undercover so he's not even the same person which is very yeah. like weird and also says a lot of weird shit about their relationship like she's basically like has him as like a lobotomized sex slave <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like, weird thing to do with the black man
0: because now first off you're showing his penis a lot and he's basically just a giant like i think like a bedbuck basically he's just a sex toy, he's a sex toy twice, both as the dildo and yeah. as in the she chooses oh, a black man's yeah. body for him, yeah, right, and and just uses him as a sex toy. She does
2: use his, oh, shit I had forgotten about that. Does she, I mean, does she look at his dick then? Like, I, I feel like that's possibly yeah. that's something ha- ha- happened when she was like, Man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, she does pick the body for him. Yeah, that yeah. Was,
3: I don't know what they were trying to say, but it just, and maybe it was trying to be funny, but I just kept thinking in the back of my head, this. Seems really weird. It was just like, like it's
0: yeah. Just, she chose. She chose to put a white man in a black man's body. She went window shopping with corpses. And I'm like, given the superficial <laughs> wokeness of this whole thing, is that cultural appropriation? Is doctor, is
2: Doctor Manhattan canceled now? You know. Oh, and
3: and then Ozzy mentions that in that same episode, and it's so just like, oh god, shut Yeah, up, he please. did.
2: Well, that that was actually the one line I kind of liked uh, Jeremy Irons' delivery on there, where he's like, you know, we frowned upon that sort of thing <laughs> right now. I it, actually kind of liked it. Like that acknowledgement that little <laughs> lap shading they did they it was, did, uh, it was it.
0: clever but that's the best this thing can ever get it reminds you of the of the uh tyler durden scene where uh tyler durden goes to jack like you know that's that that's clever how's clever uh, working We're out working for, out you. for yeah. you yeah <laughs> and, and, and for Lap is working out pretty well i guess he's got
3: a whole bunch of emmys well let's and to go back to your point about you know like how the twists of like like, really great movies that utilize twists, like Fight Club and Sixth Sense, It's it kind of reframes the entire movie, whereas the Dr. Manhattan twist, you're kind of like, oh, you find out that True is Ozzy's daughter, you're like, oh, it, it doesn't yeah. really do anything to change anything. It's just an answer to a question.
0: And those other twists tie into bigger themes that go outside of the borders of the movie. So, mm-hmm. for example, there's themes of... Um, alienation repression consumerism or whatever that get amplified by the fight club reveal and with um sixth sense when when it gets when it gets revealed um that he's dead it amplifies like themes about um when relationships go wrong and when people um get so immersed in like they're bullshit that they lose track of what matters, you know? So this guy, mm-hmm. he did his, he let his relationship deteriorate so badly because he was so into, um, work and hiding from his problems that he didn't even realize that he was dead. That's how bad he let his relationship go. Like, yeah, the, the twist kind of have thematic resonance that can make you talk about stuff outside of, The plot points of the of the movie, you know, Mm -hmm. as in they can make you think about bigger questions. The Doctor Manhattan thing is just where's Waldo? It's just clever. Yeah, just within the puzzle pieces. Yeah, a lot of this is just like
1: were you able to solve the little like, I mean, and it's not and these are not even mysteries that really are solvable either, you know what I mean? It's not like this is satisfying like this is a mystery that you can like figure out week by week or something like, you know, these are, it's not like they set up the the pieces and make it so that you can solve ahead of time uh, it's just kind of a reveal to this question that was unknowable in the first place. Well,
2: I, Jack, I, I want to I push back on that just a little bit because they will the the Lindelof defenders will say they will point to like um, like oh there's these eggs show up and <laughs> so that should tell you that Doctor Manhattan is gonna jizz into an egg and give <laughs> his power yeah right. they they, they had there there are things there there are things that they can hold on to but the que- but the thing for me is like who gives a fuck like who really <laughs> like cares like this is not how you're supposed to watch. TV shows, I believe. And, I think and, and, I, I and, think and it's and something that Wendellov did.
0: Yeah. And, and and they don't cohere it to anything because the eggs thing, right? Th- to give an example, the eggs thing is an example of something that's clever in isolation, but it doesn't cohere to any of the other appearances of eggs. Eggs mean something different each time. And the person who's holding or using the egg um doesn't necessarily make sense. For example, when Regina King is having the egg in the classroom, I guess because she's a baker, she's doing show and tell, right? But she's not even showing him how to make a cake. She's just talking about eggs. I'm like, what kind of interesting <laughs> show and tell is that? Like, like, but because he wants to get that very what he thinks clever um, speech in there, hell or high water, he's gonna get it in there. So he yes. contrives this show and tell, and she's a baker. He just she, she, and she's and I was looking at the thing. Right, I'm like, okay, what is she telling these kids? And the eggs are this tortured metaphor for white supremacy, like um, the proteins in the walls of the eggs keep the purity, but if you break down the proteins, then everything mixes, and then then the then the colors get in. Okay, so this is a white genocide speech. Why is <laughs> Regina King using the egg to give a pro-white genocide metaphor? <laughs> what does it mean coming from her? Like, like, man,
3: this is math class. Like, I don't know why you're going <laughs> up on this.
0: Yeah, but her <laughs> yeah, yeah, as a character, why would she be giving a pro- segregation, uh, white supremacy thing, Like You just needed somebody to deliver this very clever egg white, uh, white supremacy, white genocide metaphor. At least if you're going to contrive it into the story, have the seventh cavalry guy, maybe have the Senator give the speech and maybe it's foreshadowing that he's part of the fourth cavalry. You can go back and say, Oh, that egg thing. That's why he was giving a white supremacy, um, um, metaphor by eggs But then Once the metaphor is done She just stops talking About the eggs Like, like Are you, were you talking about the eggs So you can talk about What they do in a cake like, like What was in it for the kids That was entertaining See um,
2: to, to, I can explain this to you Because this is a very This is a thing That you do If you're a young Inexperienced writer Who can't really You know who isn't really adaptable, like you come up with a really clever line, right? Completely in isolation, something will pop in your head and you'll start writing the story to get to that line. Now, a good writer, most of the time they end up taking out that line because it was so obvious and cheap and they found a better way to say it or make the same point without using, you know, this funny kind of clever line. Linda Lolf will like torture his writers into making all these lines fit exactly as they popped into his head when he was showering and you get because he did an official podcast and he explained his writing process and he would just be like you know I got the idea at a certain point like what if underneath uh, his mask, uh, Hooded Justice mask, he was wearing another mask. And that other mask was to hide the fact that he was black. And that's all the thought that went behind this really thing that was really, you know, a key component and a kind of a key problem with the show. And he it just seemed like he would he had to get talked out of a lot doing a lot of things by his black co-writers but that's one thing that uh, i I don't think they were able to disabuse him of he's really wanting that to happen without actually thinking about any of the implications like the fact that hooded justice was a nazi um but he just got (laughs) the idea that what if he was black and that's that's it. That's what the show was about. And then there's that
3: whole aspect of how much they actually had to retcon in order to make it work. There's a there's a, a comment in the original graphic novel where, like Leslie said, there's Hollis Mason mentions. I heard him one time. Um, mention, like, praise the Third Reich. Yeah. And so, obviously, you're like, oh, okay, so he's obviously, like, you know, like, fascist-leaning. But then in the the HBO website they set up for the show, there's a line where they basically, sh- they basically, like, throw shade at Hollis, saying, ah, yeah, he was an old guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> they, they Like, literally, they do it to oh, make it work, because they can't wreck they can't on it. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, very uh, weird. Very yeah,
2: weird. And, and, gonna- and, Sorry, with, oh. and, and the other way, they kind of tried to retcon it too was the flyer from germany from world war one not world war Two. world war one uh and it's a real flyer that they dropped on black soldiers saying hey why the fuck are you over here fighting this war for these crackers he treats you like shit back home fair point um but the show almost tries to i felt like they tried to conflate world war his fondness for world war one germany with per- making Pro Hitler comics uh, comments in the comic. I feel like they try try to like that's oh. how they try to justify it, um, but. It, it because the paper ended up not meaning anything. Like they burn it later, and you're just like, why was this paper so important? Why was he carrying? That's this scary on? that right. you're starting
0: to get his logic because that's such a bad but plausible thing. But I would, <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to twist my mind to even coming up with that that logic. Like you're the abyss is staring back at you now. You're this like, is why yeah. when we when we when we did the series watching Watchmen,
1: you know, we did the good, the bad, and the Lindelof, and this is what was part of what was so brain bending about it was trying to get into Lindelof head and understand why he made some of the decisions he made uh, uh, yeah uh, it's, it's like those that's movies where you the hardest things. killers
0: and you start going <laughs> yes, yes. yeah it's fucked up it's like, uh, yes. to, bring it, to bring it back yes. to Watchmen it's like the guy who was uh, treating Rorschach who ends up uh, getting mm-hmm. turned by Rorschach <laughs> instead of Vice by- Vice versa. Yes. As I, as yeah, as I feel trying to understand Lindelof, I feel like my brain is getting broken. And you like start you just don't thinking get it, in weird, fake, not fake narrative, narrative ways. ways. Yeah.
2: Did you know that his son becomes uh, the new Rorschach in the DC comics? Mm-hmm. Oh my
3: god, I love telling people who like are like so many people when it first came out, where like Rorschach is of course he's a symbol of like white supremacy, of course, and then it's like you know he's black in the, the sequel <laughs> series right do you have a comment on that or
0: no you're gonna say anything the the um to go back to the to the x thing right i did this thing where i read this the um miniseries again after watching the lobster thing mainly as a, as a palate cleanser and i'm kind of glad i did because some of the few things i was giving the show credit for when i uh, reread the 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 miniseries I realized okay, you were just doing karaoke, like like for example, I forgot that that whole a uh, Doctor Manhattan time is flat for me thing is basically issue four mm-hmm. and um, a later oh, yeah. issue <laughs> of the series. They were just doing it over again. There was no type. there's nothing new there. They just they just changed um, a few details, like and put it in Vietnam and stuff. But what I did uh, realize that I forgot was the egg is in the egg is in the original miniseries, and I think that was meant to be no pun intended an Easter egg to keep bringing back eggs um Mm -hmm. so it's a very kind of quick throwaway scene where rorschach is visiting the retired villain moloch and he's cracking the egg and eating it raw and then he's making these puns and jokes but they cohere into a consistent theme and also they make sense coming from rorschach so um moloch says he got cancer and then rorschach breaks the egg and goes uh tough break Mm -hmm. then He um, says you can't uh, make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. And he's kind of talking about his approach to life and crime fighting and civil liberties and also how he's mistreating um, Moloch and stuff while he's trying to get information from him. So like all these metaphors and puns and stuff make sense because they're coming from a guy that the metaphor applies to. Um, you know,
3: yeah. What's so brilliant about that is to go along your example. When he says, "Um, you have to break a few eggs," that's actually a nice piece of foreshadowing to the ending, where Ozzy wants to kill God knows how many people to bring world peace, and of all people, Rorschach is the one who says, "No, we can't do this." Exactly. Oh
0: shit. And, and, and Rorschach was somebody who was trying to deny his humanity and that he cared the whole time. That's why he wanted to believe, that putting on the mask made him um, Rorschach and he killed uh, Walter Kovacs and that he really could be happy with uh, breaking however many eggs. But when he was faced with three million eggs breaking, uh, he kind of found his humanity and he dies as Walter Kovacs. He takes the mask off uh, when he dares... Um, dr manhattan to kill him and if you look at the word bubble that weird effect that they have to show uh kovacs i mean to show rorschach's voice is gone to kind of imply that he's saying kill me in um walter kovacs voice you know and so it's, it's like you said it comes back to the end to him realizing uh no there is a limit to how many eggs you can break to make make an omelet whereas if you watch this thing the egg is something different all the time by the time regina king swallows that last egg yolk i don't even know what the egg even means anymore i mean people are are busting nuts and eggs eggs are white <laughs> supremacy eggs are this eggs are that like he's it's like leslie says he's so stuck into individual clever moments he has no kind of thought as to how anything coheres in the end but he counts on mystery boxes and confusion and Sm- schmaltzy emotional manipulation, like, you know, the death scene of Dr. Manhattan that is immediately mm-hmm. negated by him being reformed in the glass cage t- 10 minutes later, you know, to distract you from the total incoherence of all the themes.
3: It's, you know, it's funny because the, that video I posted from Thought Slime, he said it the best there's the juxtaposition in the opening of the show where you have the Tulsa Massacre. Then you're like, oh, okay, like obviously you're setting up these themes, and then the next scene you have the black cop, and he comes across the the Seventh Cavalry guy, and there's that scene where he has to call in to release his gun, um, yeah. and okay, and then so like then you put two and two together, you're like, okay, so w- are you are you trying to say that like super liberalized policies are bad now, mm-hmm. and we'll get cops killed, and then and then that never gets developed, and you're like, wait, what? Are you trying? I I feel like they weren't actually, they didn't really want to say anything. They just kind of like you said, they had that little idea for a scene and they put it in there and then they didn't develop it at all.
0: Even by the time they get to the gun, they've already contradicted contradicted themselves a couple of times because that's very early on. Right. So they showed a Tulsa thing. Then they open up to a scene where it's a race reversed kind of profiling thing where they make it seem the black cop is being a dick and treating this guy uh, unfairly, you know. So I'm like, wait a minute, what are they trying to say? They're trying to say reverse racism is real, you know. Like uh, the the white guy is saying, hey, I got my stuff here, I'm gonna reach for it carefully. I'm like, okay, so wait, are you trying to say that uh, black people can be as racist as white people or as institutionally racist? But then they bring up the thing about the gun, like you said. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So is the black cop? A good guy, and it's the liberal policies. Then the white guy does end up killing him. So I'm like, wait a minute, is racial profiling okay when it's race reversed? <laughs> or like, 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 what, what? You've contradicted yourself like three or four times in just ten, in in a, ten minutes. In a single thing. What, what, of, like, what, what? What
1: Damon Lindelof is trying to show is like, wouldn't it be messed up and weird if things were like different? Isn't that like, whoa, like what if it were like reversed? Like, isn't that crazy? And like, there is no, there's nothing sort of beyond that. You're kind of just like, yeah, like that, like would be crazy. Like what else would happen? And it's like that just, it would look different. It would be a white guy instead of a black guy. What if know? we lived in a society,
3: but it was a different society? A different, what if it was
1: just slightly different? Yeah. And then there's, it's funny
3: because it the the whole, and when you ask people about it, like, so what's like one of the themes of the show? And they'll talk about, well, police uh, police brutality. And I'm like, okay, so for the first three episodes, there's kind of this, you see the police kind of, uh, you know, uh, violating the civil liberties of the 7th Cavalry. And I, at first I was giving credit. I was like, oh, maybe they're showing how even if the police are doing this to people like the white supremacist people we hate, it's still bad and, and we still have to condemn it. And I was like, oh, okay, that could be interesting. But then by the end of the show, they're just capping them. Like, Regina King (laughs) casts like, 15 of them in the final scene. And you're like, oh, no, they are just racist bad guys who we shouldn't feel any sympathy for. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But you kind of contradicted yourself there.
0: Uh, Something else I'll say, too, is I think, um, because one of the things that happened, right, uh, I was talking to people, and I was saying, because a lot of people kept defending the show to me when when I was... um, uh, live tweeting it because I was asking questions because I couldn't believe what I was watching. And <laughs> so then when I was done... I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's when not I was fun. done, when I was done, I was like, um, okay, for people who defended this show, right? When I watched, when, when I read um, Alan Moore's Watchmen, I can come up with a bunch of uh, questions that it's asking me and asking itself, you know, and I feel like Alan Moore is inviting us to figure it out alongside him. He doesn't have all the answers, you know, there's a bunch of them like straight from the top. Um, Who watches um, The Watchmen? Um, That's an obvious one. Like, you know, uh, do the ends justify uh, the means? Like, does one have to become a monster to um, fight monsters? And if so, is fighting monsters um, worth it? Um, is is there meaning, you know, or is life random? If if life is is random, is it worth defending? Like, there's a lot of uh, questions, and what what I was asking people is, um, what questions does this thing ask? And then somebody. Um, no one could give me any question, questions. People, what people were doing were they're giving me topics. So they were like, uh, well, it confronted white supremacy. I'm like, that's not a question. That's, <laughs> that's, that's just a topic. What did it, So put it to me in question form. What does it challenge you? to? What question does it ask you about white supremacy outside of does it exist? And is it bad? And is it part, like, besides a yes or no question, what does it ask you? And no one can give me a question. But then one guy, I appreciate his honesty. Um, he said, why does art have to have questions? Um, And I was like, that's fine. But at that point, if you're not asking questions, why do you have to call it Watchmen? Because if the whole conceit that you guys keep saying to me is that this thing captures the spirit of the original right. then you can't turn around and tell me why does it have to um ask questions because i don't i don't want the fast and the furious to ask deep questions you know yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that if, if, I watch Cl- if i watch uh clue i'm fine with or agatha christie i'm fine with the only questions being asked are the questions being introduced by the plot contrivance like like that's who done it yeah yeah that, that's fine but you can't have it both ways you can't tell me that this thing captures the spirit of uh, Watchmen is great. But then also ask me why it has to have one of the central conceits Watchmen, which is intense intellectual curiosity about existential issues. Well, there's a there's a big
3: difference, I think, in a lot of people, and I think people and I not to sound condescending, but there's a certain um, there's a line between something like Watchmen that brings like the the original comic that has a lot of juxtaposition and contradiction, but it feels very purposeful to show sort of like a lot of the gray areas of life. Whereas something with the Watchmen series, there's a difference between being purposefully sort of like juxtapositioning things, and then there is a difference between just being obtuse. And that's how the series felt. It seemed like they were contradicting themselves a lot and throwing things out there that stick to the wall, but they didn't actually, it, it didn't feel like the writer was doing this purposefully, it just kind of felt like they were... Just they, they were throwing things at the wall, hoping they would stick and having everyone else defend them for it.
2: Yeah, I think the best example of this is probably the cops and white supremacy, especially when you're talking about the modern police. Right. So in the first episodes, what they show us at the most charitable, this is what the defenders were saying early on, is that. OK, the cops are doing all of police brutality that they do in the real world to black people, but they're doing it to white supremacists. And the purpose of that is going to be revealed later to show that the cops are just as bad as the as the cops are just as bad as the white supremacists, there is supposed to be like a they're two sides of the same coin thing but that never actually fully happens in the show we don't get that at all in fact that plot is largely dropped after the third uh, episode so you they threw that at the wall and had just enough there for defenders to say oh this show is trying to say something but it doesn't actually follow through with anything. It doesn't actually say anything. Instead, it just becomes this Byzantine type ultra conspiracy where it ends up where the only real white supremacist on the modern police force is the police chief who dies in the first episode. <laughs> Everyone else. <laughs> who, was, by the way, it, they also
1: portray as being a good man. Despite yeah, a very white good supremacy. guy.
2: <laughs> Who treats a black detective like 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 family, like his daughter? Now they do explain later that he was doing that to get close to her because her husband was Doctor Manhattan, and oh, they knew okay. it or something like like it didn't. But it didn't make sense. Like if you know her husband is Doctor Manhattan, why you have to pretend to be her friend? Like just like go to her house, you know, wherever you feel like it.
3: And and this is why I think the show is so popular with sort of like the more like classical white liberal type in the sense that when we talk about police brutality and, you know, racism in the justice system, we're talking about, we're not really talking about just like demonizing individuals like, you know, the few bad apples. It's it's a much larger structural issue, whereas the Watchmen TV show says, no, actually, It's just these couple of like super evil, hypno Nazi bad guys. Yeah. And all the other cops are actually like it. they, They never bring up the fact that Angela is a black woman working for the police department. How do you feel working for an institution? That has oppressed people of color for decades, and they and just never—they just let it sit there. It's like, but okay. they think
2: they—they they think they addressed it by explaining who her grand—that her grandfather was a police officer too, and her parents were soldiers. And Lindelof has said this, like, "Oh, we want to explore why." A black woman would become a police officer but you didn't really you just told us that her grandfather was a police officer Her grandfather she didn't know and yeah. somehow it was just genetic it was in her blood yeah and that all, she would join this all he does by doing that is pass the buck because uh he's a he
0: he says yeah i know people want to know why a black woman would want to do this well surprise her parents were part of uh an imperialistic um invading american force okay so then why do these black people want to do that you know well because the grandfather was a cop okay so fine so now why is the (laughs) grandfather as a cop
2: want to be um you know because he watched a movie of a black cop of uh, ba- uh, what's Reeves. his name Bass Reeves and that's why he wanted to be a, a <laughs> officer even though he was watching it while police officers were burning down Tulsa <laughs> and killing his family <laughs> and, and that was still the lesson he took away oh that movie was pretty good though it would be like, <laughs> I, I guess it is similar to Batman where fucking he, wa- he watches Zorro then comes out his <laughs> parents get shot Zorro. to death in front of him and then he's like man that that sucked but Zorro was cool. still pretty well, fucking a, cool okay,
0: man,
1: could,
0: like, of those. yeah, yeah but the, the, part part of the reason why that Tulsa thing is so insulting is that he combines the batman and superman origin yes yeah, superman both For, yeah 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 so so uh his parents are killed by white racists uh after he finishes watching a movie so he has a vendetta against white racists which is batman but he's also um uh superman and it's like what the, the last son of Tulsa the Yeah, last last son of Tulsa. I'm like okay, this is the respectful <laughs> treatment of um of Tulsa, they they tell me people I'm supposed to People be- said it's
2: so respectful. He thought he was doing Krypton. He said it. Oh, that's that's you know I heard about this you know Tulsa massacre in the while I was working on the show and in while I was reading Ta Nehisi Coates and I was like, wow, that sounds like Krypton. Like <laughs> that is that. I'm sorry. So that's insulting. Like, and, and like even then I only like I'm not even mad at Lindelof for being that dumb. I'm mad at people for giving him a bunch of money to make his dumb shows, and I'm mad at people for defending him, but he doesn't ever, he's never try, pretend, I think now, once, since the Emmys happened, he's trying to pretend to be smarter than he was, but when the show was actually going on and when he was asked about this stuff, he straight up say, oh, I don't believe all police officers are bad. No, that would be ridiculous to say. He yeah, walked you know, back on so much. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's completely changed how he's talked about and approaching the show. He used to say all the time, like, oh yeah, I would always, you, you know, I didn't know what I was talking about. This wasn't my story to tell." Really, and he was very uh, upfront about this. And this basically being a rich, it, a rich political. white
0: centrist liberal, like like it permeates every. The same way being an anarchist permeates every uh, thing that Alan Moore does. Him being a rich white centrist liberal, <laughs> it permeates everything, including talking out of both sides of his ass at any given moment. Can we also
3: just go back and just the the mention of like we were talking about how Will becomes a cop for weird reasons? So <laughs> Angela sees her parents get blown up. She she like fingers the guy who did it. And then the cops take him around the corner and they execute him without a trial. And then the next scene, she's like, yeah, I want to be a cop when I get older. Yeah,
0: That's a perfect example of asking no questions because they could have had that happen, but posed it. As a question like is this right or wrong but it presents everything kind of uncritically you know
2: so- yeah and, and or you can even say all right well then maybe angela is kind of a fucked up person a fucked up character obviously she is if you look at what she does objectively speaking but by the end and the way they talk about the show now they're talking about like this is a show about god coming down from heaven and giving <laughs> a black woman the love she deserves and like then how you uh, just how you, you know, the first episodes where she's, you know, beating someone half to death, where she you know, is fingering the guy and becomes a cop after he see, sees him executed. Like, they don't explore her actual character at all. Instead, they just jump to oh, you're a little bit you know, you're a little bit upset and traumatized because your grandfather was traumatized. The grandfather you never met was traumatized. And that's it. And Lindelof is very obsessed with, like, genetic trauma it's like in everything he does and father is, is a big deal to him. And he acknowledges uh, this fact, but they like it at the end of the day and they they do the same thing with um the villain Ozymandias ends up being, you know, father to a child uh, uh, in this series. Like, it, he's very obsessed with this angle, and I just like it, doesn't interest me at all. And it ends up not saying anything. Like you said, T, it just pushes the question back further like, all right, you're fu- you're fucked up because your grandparents, well, why were your grandparents fucked up? And, and like, it just pushes it, never really answers any questions that are interesting, even within the universe about the character. Angela could have been a much more more interesting character if they actually explored her dark aspects instead of like just showing them and then like glossing over them and then rushing to a finish where she basically is no different than any other cop character and there's nothing really particular about her. And
3: to go to your point about the um, his sort of obsession with like sort of like genetics and familial connections, there was, I actually almost put this in the video, but I took it out. There's the one scene where True, after years, goes back to Ozzy and he says, like, you stole your genius. And I'm like, okay, hang on. Linda Loff, are you trying to say that like IQ is hereditary? Yes. Like, are we <laughs> really going to open this box it. right now? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because a lot of people think that, and a lot of them are not on your side of this issue, man. You got to be careful. And it tends
0: to not, yeah, it tends to not lead to good places if you want to be anti-white supremacy. It was
3: a weird thing to add in a show that was. I'm completely about dismantling <laughs> white supremacy
0: I'll compound something even weirder onto that right um along the same lines just take it to the next level one of the one of the really weird things that a lot of white supremacists believe and there's this um reddit dedicated to half Asian half white people right called called r happers which is a little over the top but there's some they have an interesting list on that reddit of all the white supremacists who believe in race science who have Asian um wives uh, and one of the things that that they kept saying is that you know a lot of our dads are some of the actual people on the site were claiming that a lot of their dads were racist and they were had these like weird ideas about um, race and because of that reason they understand why a lot of these white supremacists like Charles Murray and all these other like uh, Richard Spencer has had a lot of um, Asian Asian girlfriends and stuff and and part of the rationale they're saying for that is they think. White women are kind of poisoned by feminism and being too um, corrupted by liberal decadence, decadence and, and progressivism. But Asian women um, are kind of subservient, know their place or whatever. But on top of that, Asians have better IQ genes than even white people. But the problem is they suffer from a kind of rote memorization, rigid type of intelligence, but white men... Oh, of ha- course. White men have, like, the Goldilocks of intelligence where th- where they're smarter than um, just about everybody, but they're not so smart that they... Um, kind of fall off a nerd cliff or whatever like like this is a very complicated <laughs> white supremacist racist yeah um, they
2: just have an answer for everything yeah, like, they, they have an all answer. Right, if you're the su- superior race why are Asians smarter quote, quote unquote well obviously that just proves how smart whites are yeah yeah exactly They because are we're more too,
0: creative they claim Asians are too smart so they almost venture into autism they, they really say this like, like <laughs> they the claim most Asians are like are almost like autistic they don't have they can't do dynamic things with their intelligence the uh-huh. way um, white people can But one of the tropes That these people have Which is why they say So many of these White supremacist Race science guys Like Charles Murray And all these other They had a really long list Of prominent race science guys White nationalists who white women is If you combine An Asian and a white you will get this super genius breeder child that will take over uh, the world. Like, they, they really believe this. and We're taking it to the next level now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The next it, step in evolution. It, it's almost like Dragon Ball Z where if you combine a human <laughs> and a Saiyan, you'll get something that's more than some of its parts. And then, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, okay, so there's an Asian housemaid, right? So, okay, she's subservient. She's, uh, she's the help who steals the white German blonde Aryan sperm and it inseminates it. So it adds to this idea that it, Asian women worship um the white Aryan god, you know, that, that, that Asian women suffer from white worship. She inseminates herself in front of a picture of an Aryan Alexander god the Alexander Great. the Great a- a- the Great her legs Weird. in the air before Alexander the Great. So the idea is like I'm going to combine my Asian egg with this white sperm. And then what happens? They produce a child that's smarter than either of them. Like okay. it's really bizarre. Uh, race I I&T.
2: It's it's you know I, I might be nice to Lindo and say it's actually not that bizarre if you take it as like something that might happen in a comic book from when David Lindelof was a kid because X-Men is all about genetics, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> like X-Men is all about, like, if you are a, uh, if you get the seed of a uh, Scott Summers or, you know, you're going to be an ultra powerful mutant, you know, because it's passed down, uh, through, uh, through the genes so i if it's it was a dumb thing happening in a goofy comic book it would wouldn't stand out but it stands out because this is a show that people are told is important and saying and, and, important and, and things and about race. race yeah yeah it's yeah. awful and, oh, and, and so, and,
3: and so and, it was so weird about you know and and the whole thing with because I, I, I couldn't even tell, and you get maybe you guys can give your takes, but like it, it was weird because I didn't, I couldn't tell if they were trying to build Drew up as like there was a part of me that was like, oh, they're showing how you know her trauma of the U.S.'s invasion of Vietnam led to her to do this, to do what she did, but then at the end they just kind of make her a villain, and I'm like, are you? Are we? Is she like a villain? Is she an anti-hero Like, what do you? But they mean? also they never
2: dive into her connection to imperialism. She doesn't even say anything to Doctor Manhattan when she's giving her evil villain speech before she kills him. She doesn't even mention the fact that hey, you colonized my country. You personally, you <laughs> are the person who did it. Does not mention it before. But but, but here's a problem. I
0: think the show is not sure that. It's a bad thing. Like, Alan no, Moore no, is, it's not is very, very sure that imperialism is a bad thing. But I mean, Linda the Lof show seems is it, very. Un- yeah. 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 Linda Lofty was very convinced that uh, Vietnam is better off
2: for <laughs> for being right. colonized. I yeah, wouldn't sure. be surprised. Yeah, there's some problems, of course, but more, but they have McDonald's now. <laughs> and, <you> know, like <laughs> a, he doesn't and really it's think now. of it as a problem. Yeah, it's diverse now. Like, really, you know, the Viet Cong was not very you know, diverse. And I think, you know, that's probably, you know, why we shouldn't have supported them. Like, he's trying to, like, cancel, like, the communists of Vietnam for, like, I don't know, not having enough black women in the ranks. The U.S. military has black women. <laughs>
3: well, it's, and it's the whole thing about it is the fact that, you know, in, like in the original graphic novel, the implications of Manhattan basically decimating the Vietnamese and, and the U.S. taking over the country is very on the nose. There's this the, the next scene, the comedian guns down a pregnant Vietnamese. Yeah. And, and it's like, OK, we, we get what you're trying to say. In in the HBO series, the whole time you're thinking, oh, are they going to connect the, the trauma that True um, suffered? at the hands of Manhattan to the, to the theme of generational trauma and it just never, they never do and it's like, you it was like, you teed it up, dude. It was right there I, and I, you just I, you never know, did it.
2: I think, honestly, I think that that might be a missing episode because I've heard that this show was supposed to be 10 episodes. HBO does 10 episode seasons. They don't do nine. I think maybe, you know, they Spent a lot of money on this budget, you know. I certainly Lindelof was a little bit unsure about certain things. There was a lot of threads laid out that weren't really paid off. Like the most interesting fight scene in the show is not shown, where uh, where um, Looking Glass takes out all the Rorschachs. They don't show that. That's probably should have been the best fight scene in the show. Um, and they and they don't. Show it on the screen at all mm, Because, so, I feel because like he they, wants
0: All he cares about that for Is to un- unlock another mystery box To surprise you Like like That's example about answering questions That it introduces itself Like Hey Where did the looking glass go? What happened to him?
2: Oh here's it was the a answer. cliffhanger It was a cliffhanger at that It yeah. was a cliffhanger And they and don't show it disappears
3: for like and, Half the series And, and, <laughs> and, and, like and to
2: Leslie's credit They
0: could have still shown it in a flashback But he has no interest In anything outside of The big reveal Like, Like After he revealed it then he could have flashed back and shown him take take them out. But he's already bored at that point with, with that mystery. He's he's, unlocked, he's opened the box. He's already moving on to the next mystery box. So, right. Leslie,
3: uh, to your point, um, because I actually had this article in my video on it. So this was one of uh, Lindelof's comments. Um, the original plan was to do 10 episodes. Um, and then in another comment... Or and I think a separate interview, he said, if there are any regrets, it's that we didn't get to dimensionalize Lady True as yeah, much as we did uh. in the room. So literally, there. I really, I, I'm, I'm completely with you. It seems like there was going to be an episode where we kind of like Will, like we kind of flash back, yeah, where we kind of flash back and find out her story. But now she's just a psycho villain, and let's kill her.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah we're we're told we are simply told by Ozymandias that she must be killed and in the i think the last 20 minutes of the show is the turn it's like oh yes if she wants this power she must be stopped and uh, we have to stop her and they obviously
0: azimund dies uh wanted to kill her almost out of this kind of envy like you know like, like uh max said you, know, you stole my intelligence and i've got to be the smartest guy in the world and in um in max video one of the things that he points out and i agree with this even before i saw the video is they get Ozymandias is so wrong. Like
2: it's not the same character. It's not the same, not character, the same, character, same at
0: all. character Jeremy Irons gives a great performance as somebody yeah, else. He's good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, a yeah. Fun Whoever that guy is playing is great. Yeah. But it's not Ozymandias dies. Like the whole point. Ozymandias was very glad of no of nobody knowing he was behind it. In fact, he wanted people to not know he was behind it so much. He um killed everyone who worked on the project. He killed even his humble servants who probably wouldn't have never have told. Anyway,
2: yeah, just to be that sure, and, no one would ever find out. You mean to tell and, me? And then an the important thing about that is, when he killed them, he was very sad and disappointed about having to do that, but he wanted to do it. The show makes this mistake and thinks that the, just like, oh, what Ozzy? What does Ozzy Man do? He kills his servants, and so he kills his servants thousands of times during this show with cruelly for no particular reason for the most part and that's not who the character was at all he was very yes he killed millions of people but at least he did kind of feel bad about it and felt like it was the only thing he had to do he didn't take joy in it he wasn't a sadist of any sort and he was doing it for a, what he thought was
0: a greater good whereas this guy just does it for the challenge like you know uh, yeah challenge yeah and
3: can we just talk about the
0: plot hole of the fact that in the original comic Ozzy
3: he killed all his servants to make sure none of the word got out and yet the show asks us that um, True's mother was somehow escaped from Antarctica and made it back to the mainland and (laughs) Ozzy never found out what happened to her it's like uh, who cares. no
2: (laughs) yeah But, yeah. the, but, no, but like the same day he was about to launch the greatest scheme of all time. Like this app just is not paying attention. But and the whole thing with Ozzy, and he and, keeps a you know, it semen in a case behind his desk.
3: Of course he does, because <laughs> of course he does. And the and the whole thing about Ozzy was, and I and again, this is you can and I mean you can consider him whatever kind of person you want. But in the original comic, it was very clear that as hor as horrific as his plan was he really truly thought he was doing this because he ha- like there was no other way yes was, and that's what made him such a brilliant character is because you you can see that this man truly and he regrets to some extent or he is he wasn't even sure if it was the right thing to do and yet in the series he's like yeah no I'm just a raging narcissist it's like that's not no It's <laughs> yeah it's not it at and, all
2: and, and I feel part, part of it is Lindelof not understanding the character and another part is that fucking Jeremy Irons just did what he wanted to do and Daniel Lindelof wasn't gonna stand up to him and say no like he is playing the character how Jeremy Irons would play him but not how the comic book would have him and I, I just imagine that conversation of Damon just go, like going oh yeah sure Jared that, that sounds great yeah yeah, 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 yeah. In yeah, fact, sure. I'll Are even you- write
0: that in. I'll even uh, write, to- I'll, I'll write and lean into your interpretation, if anything.
3: Yeah, we'll have you fart during your trial scene because uh, it's funny, not because that's not something your character would ever do in any conceptual universe.
0: I, I want to read some passages from different interviews he gave. And this is a reason why... Um, when when you said that you try not to uh, bash uh, Lindelof and and Jack says okay we'll do it for you I'm yeah. on board with Jack because I read a lot of Lindelof's um, interviews and I was like oh my god this guy uh, I have no problem taking personal shots at him because he's so annoying to me um but well th- well that's on my videos this is a podcast yeah Different yeah <laughs> but but but, but li- listen listen to this uh this passage just it's a little bit long but i think it's so indicative of everything wrong with this guy uh, they asked him in an interview when and how did that idea of hooded justice being black which you said is the big idea behind this take on the series so you claim it's not just the big idea of the episode but the big idea of the series come to you uh, happened around Christmas of 2016. I think the way that the idea developed was for 30 years, I had been wondering who Hooded Justice was. And, like, you weren't wondering for 30 years. I doubt you oh. thought you'd think about anything for 30 years straight. Anyway,
2: it and it's such a weird and not to interrupt you but no no one cared no one cared about like who Hooded Justice was didn't matter I mean especially when you by the time you get to the end of the comic Hooded Justice was was just like some big strong guy by the end of the the comic you have like a fucking giant blue god and fucking Cthulhu come from another dimension like that's not who Hooded Justice was does not matter at all if Damon
1: Lindelof had wanted to know for 30 years who Hooded Justice was was he probably would have reread the part where it said he was like talking good about the Third Reich? You know, yeah. know what I mean? Like he probably
3: would have like m- known about that part. And that's the whole the irony of the, the whole implication that Hooded Justice was Rolf Mueller, who is like a fascist, sadistic, closeted homosexual. The whole point of that was to show that these people, these Watchmen, who we're supposed to praise, were inspired by someone like this. And that's sort of the that was kind of like the underlying point of the entire comic.
0: Yeah. And there's also that New Frontiersman piece that uh, says, um, if these people are inspired by KKK, well, is the KKK so wrong? Isn't that the spirit of America? And they're kind of trying to say, not only um, are they inspired by this guy, but this guy being a white supremacist is is right in line with the kind of person in American history who is enamored with uh, vigilanteism and unacca- unaccountability, which was what makes it ironic that all the sycophantic fans of this show in, in the critical circles were talking about how the original had a blind spot, their favorite phrase, toward uh-huh. white supremacy. Uh-huh. It's like, no, uh-huh. there was not a, a blind <laughs> spot. Toward, they, they just weren't being didactic and spoon-feeding you. Uh, uh, this thing where w- like w- there's a, there's one a guy...
1: There's a guy like 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 with a flamethrower, like, you know, (laughs) with people in the streets of America helping the police, like wearing like S and M gear and shit. I'm like, Yeah, I think that they I think he was maybe thinking a little about white supremacy.
3: (laughs) It touches upon the Third Reich, it touches upon American imperialism. Yeah. The KKK I, and i actually it, it kind of with with uh the comedian he's kind of like a warped version of captain america in a way where he's instead oh, of yeah. being like yeah. this idealistic america he's like he's like the, the actual real. vision of america and like right. that how how is that a blind spot in any way shape or form
2: <laughs> yeah there's a when they they're having one of the meet, the their failed meeting and that like older kind of simpy superhero has like the map of all the pro- and all the problems that they have to deal with. One of those things we're in on the board is black unrest. And that and these are the nice superheroes. This isn't the comedian. This is fucking Blue Beetle. You right. know? And like that's what they're there to, you know, clamp down on the Black Panthers, you know. They would have they would have helped in the assassination of Fred Hapton if they could and Alan Moore doesn't spoon feed you this. This is just a panel in the background you have to and you can it. make and you make your own connections from it. And, and that's
3: and that's an example, I would say, of a writer doing something which is very blatant in the text, but yet that you have to kind of take and extrapolate across the entire piece. Yes, whereas, and, put, and put it all together. Yeah, whereas Lindelof will just kind of throw a bunch of random crap out there and then people will say, Oh no, this is It means something. It's like, oh, what does it mean? It's like, I don't know, but it means something. Well, I think it's no coincidence that like
1: Lindelof, you know, the people that were like the big theory crafters about Lost, like in Entertainment Weekly, he ended up hiring as writers. So I'm like... These guys that were like coming up with like you know theories and shit like yeah he does read them and maybe he cribs a little from them like the same on CW shows how they end up like having characters make out who the teenagers want to see make out or whatever yeah I think Tumblr, Damon Lindelof yeah. does that with like like the big idea of his series sometimes
0: oh, 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 oh so you say like like the same way CW people look at Tumblr gifts and figure out who people are shipping. And get ideas yeah. from it. Um, you think that Lindelof actually um, gets ideas from the people theorizing because they actually think through his work. Um, actually, that's
1: what sense. I think. It I, I definitely he think loss.
0: Yeah, he literally hires.
1: Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Them. He did end up hiring some of these people. It's like, yeah, you kind of just throw out there like, here's a bunch of shit, and then like people are like, hmm, maybe it means this, and he's like, that sounds good to me. <laughs> well, that, <here's, laughs> I want
2: to give a I want to give a great example of like just how flawed this is and how this is not the way to talk about TV. This is not the way to write about TV, but like, Lindelof encourages this so I don't really blame I don't blame the writers as much as I do like you know him uh, for this but uh, there was a woman who wrote art was writing a weekly recap of Watchmen right and she was exploring all the mysteries and the references and there was a mention of the band uh, Pale Horse because oh Jesus Christ uh, in Watchmen HBO Universe uh, Spielberg didn't make Schindler's List instead (laughs) he made a movie called Pale Horse, named after the band um, that was playing the night, which really, alien which attack really happened. sort
1: of dis- disconnects the fact that sort of you know that Spielberg was trying to explore and connect with his own Judaism there, but that's fine, whatever. Yeah, we can that's just Move past that.
2: move, pa- move past it. But or the but and this person was writing this recap and she had all these different threads. She was thing uh, saying like, you know, Lynn, uh, the name Pale Horse is a reference to the Bible. It might be a reference. Clint Acewood, uh, who had the number one film in the huh. year 1983 when this and that happened. She had like three paragraphs about this. It's but like, this reference is actually is just from the comic yes, book. Yes, no, that's straight It's what stri- is straight from the comic book. But nevertheless, she was able to get like hundreds of words out of this reference that all were in the service of suggesting that Damon Lindelof was pulling all these things <laughs> from the ether when in reality, he just like Took read the book. comic book book. Well,
3: that goes, and that goes back to your point, Trev, it, it, when a lot of people were praising episode eight for like, oh, look how they're telling the story with Dr. Manhattan's past. I'm like, this is just a ripoff of chapter four of the graphic novel <laughs> and you guys haven't read it. So you think it's like amazing right. and groundbreaking. And, like it was done and, in 85.
0: And, and actually tweeted, because I haven't read the book in years, uh, in, in many years, I tweeted, okay, here's one good thing finally I can say for people who actually say one good thing about the series is, okay, this was uh, a, a pretty cool executed concept. And then when I reread the the miniseries um, afterward, I'm like, okay, so scratch that. <laughs> back to like <laughs> back to like nothing about um, this thing. So so that, yeah yeah exactly. Um, and, and
2: T before the comic Scanners yell at you, uh, technically Watchmen was a maxi series because it was 12 issues. The yes, Series right, right. is <laughs> usually six issues. <laughs>
0: true, true. You're right. Because some some someone because that's what happens when people want to defend something, they'll look for anything to discredit you. So they're like, yeah, well, you know what. Yeah, he, uh, he does. This, He's he, this dude doesn't here. even know he doesn't how even he know.
2: issues. He probably only read the first four <laughs> issues. He doesn't even know how he ends.
3: Then this, this happened even with like my analysis of it. It's a it's a two hour forty five minute review, and someone will say, "Oh, you were wrong about this little thing. The this character's hat was actually black instead of white or something, <laughs> and therefore this entire analysis is completely discredited." I'm like, okay,
0: all right, y'all. So.